Chapter Twenty Three of the Inevitable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlech. The Inevitable by Louis Capurus, translated by Alexander Texiera de Matos the inevitable chapter twenty three duco had at first wished to decline the invitation but cornelie said that she would think it pleasanter if he came and it was an exquisite dinner in the restaurant of the grand hotel and cornelie had enjoyed herself exceedingly and looked most charming in an old yellow ball dress dating back to the first days of her marriage which she had altered quickly here and there and draped with the prince's old lace urania had looked very handsome with her clear fresh complexion her shining eyes and gleaming teeth clad in a close-fitting frock in the latest fashion blue-black spangles on blue tulle as though she were moulded in a cuirass the prince said a siren with a mermaid's tail and the people at the other tables had stared across at theirs for everybody knew virgilio di forte Baracio. everybody knew that he was going to marry a rich american heiress and everybody had noticed that he was paying great attention to the slender fair-haired woman who nobody knew she had been married they thought she was chaperoning the future princess and she was very intimate with that young man a dutch painter who was studying art in italy they had soon found out all there was to know cornelia had thought it pleasant that they all looked at her and she had flirted so obviously with the prince that urania had become angry and early next morning when cornelius was still in bed no longer thinking of last night but pondering over a sentence in her pamphlet the maid knocked brought in her breakfast and letters and said that miss hope was asking to speak to her cornelie had urania shown in while she remained in bed and drank her chocolate and she looked up in surprise when urania at once overwhelmed her with reproaches burst into sobs scolded and raved made a violent scene said that she now saw through her and admitted that the marchesa had urged her to be careful of cornelie whom she described as a dangerous woman cornelie waited until she had had her say and replied coolly that she had nothing on her conscience that on the contrary she had saved urania and been of service to her as a chaperone though she did not tell her that the prince had wanted her cornelie to dine with him alone but urania refused to listen and went on ranting cornelie looked at her and thought her vulgar in that rage of hers talking her american english as though she were chewing filberts and at last she answered calmly my dear girl you're upsetting yourself about nothing but if you like i will write to the prince that he must pay me no more attentions no no don't do that 
It'll make Gilio think I'm jealous. And aren't you? Why do you monopolize Gilio? Why do you flirt with him? Why do you make yourself conspicuous with him as you did yesterday in a restaurant full of people? Well, if you dislike it, I won't flirt with Gilio again or make myself conspicuous with him again. I don't care two pence about your prince. That's an extra reason. Very well, dear, that's settled. Her coolness calmed Urania, who asked, And do we remain good friends? Why, of course, my dear girl. Is there any occasion for us to quarrel? I don't see it. Both of them, the prince and Urania, were quite indifferent to her. True, she had preached to Urania in the beginning, but about a general idea. When afterwards she perceived Urania's insignificance, she withdrew the interest which she took in her, and, if the girl was offended by a little gaiety and innocent flirtation, very well, there should be no more of it. Her thoughts were more with the proofs which the post had brought her. She got out of bed and stretched herself. Go into the sitting-room, Urania dear, and just let me have my bath. Presently, all fresh and smiling, she joined Urania in the sitting-room. Urania was crying. My dear child, why are you upsetting yourself like this? You've achieved your ideal. Your marriage is as good as certain. You're waiting for an answer from Chicago. You're impatient. Then cable out. I should have cabled at once in your place. You don't imagine, do you, that your father has any objection to your becoming Duchess di San Stefano? I don't know yet what I myself want, said Urania, weeping. I don't know. I don't know. Cornelie shrugged her shoulders. You're more sensible than I thought, she said. Are you really my friend? Can I trust you? Can I trust your advice? I won't advise you again. I have advised you. You must know your own mind. Urania took her hand. Which would you prefer, that I accept Gilio or not? Cornelie looked her straight in the eyes. You're making yourself unhappy about nothing. You think, and the Marchesa probably thinks with you, that I want to take Gilio from you. No, darling, I wouldn't marry Gilio if he were king and emperor. I have a bit of the socialist in me. I don't marry for the sake of a title. No more would I. Of course, darling, no more would you. I never dreamt of suggesting that you would, but you asked me which I should prefer. Well, I'll tell you in all sincerity. I don't prefer either. The whole business leaves me cold. And you call yourself my friend? So I am, dear, and I will remain your friend. Only don't come overwhelming me with reproaches on an empty stomach. You're a flirt, sometimes. It comes natural to me. But, honestly, I won't be so again with Gilio. Do you mean it? Yes, of course. What do I care? He amuses me, but if it offends you, I'll gladly sacrifice my amusement for your sake. I don't value it so much. Are you fond of Mr. Vanderstall? Very. 
Are you going to marry him, Cornelie? No, dear, I shan't marry again. I know what marriage means. Are you coming for a little walk with me? It's a fine day, and you have upset me so with your little troubles that I can't do any work this morning. It's lovely weather. Come along and buy some flowers in the Piazza di Spagna. They went and bought the flowers. Cornelie took Urania back to Belloni's. As she walked away on the road to the Osteria for lunch, she heard somebody following her. It was the prince. I caught sight of you from the corner of the Via Aurora, he said. Urania was just going home. Prince, she said at once, there must be no more of it. Of what? No more visits, no more joking, no more presents, no more dinners at the Grand Hotel, no more champagne. Why not? The future princess won't have it. Is she jealous? Cornelie described the scene to him. And you mayn't even walk with me? Yes, I may. No, no. I shall, for all that. By the right of man, of the strongest. Exactly. My vocation is to fight against it, but today I am untrue to my vocation. You are charming, as always. You mustn't say that any more. Urania is a bore. Tell me, what do you advise me to do? Shall I marry her? Cornelie gave a peal of laughter. You both of you keep asking my advice. Yes, yes, what do you think? Marry her by all means. He did not observe her contempt. Exchange your escutcheon for her purse, she continued, and laughed and laughed. He now perceived it. You despise me, perhaps both of us. Oh, no. Tell me that you don't despise me. You ask my opinion? Urania is a very sweet, dear child, but she ought not to travel by herself. And you? And I? You are a delightful boy. Buy me those violets, will you? Sobito, sobito. He bought her a bunch of violets. You're crazy over violets, aren't you? Yes, they must be your second and your last present. And here we say good-bye. No, I shall take you home. I'm not going home. Where are you going? To the Osteria. Mr. Vanderstall is waiting for me. He's a lucky man. Why? He needs must be. I don't see why. Good-bye, Prince. Ask me to come, too, he entreated. Let me lunch with you. No, she said seriously. Really not. It's better not. I believe. What? That Duco is just like Urania? Jealous? When shall I see you again? Really, believe me, it's better not. Goodbye, Prince. And thank you for the violets. He bent over her hand. She went into the Osteria and saw that Duco had witnessed their leave-taking through the window. End of chapter 23